Well, this morning we are continuing in our series in John's letter, and I am excited that we are making our way through. We're almost to the end of this first letter, and over the next few weeks we will finish with John's second and third letter as well. And if you would turn to 1 John and chapter 5 and read along with me as we begin in verse 1 of chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that He has borne concerning His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in Himself. Whoever does not believe God has made Him a liar because He has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning His Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Father, we submit ourselves to You this morning and to Your Word. Lord, we sit under the teaching of Your Word each time we read it, each time we hear it read, each time we hear it taught. And Lord, we submit ourselves to the truth of Your Word because we believe You are speaking to us. And so this morning, Lord, give us ears to hear and give us hearts to receive Give us minds to understand that our knowledge and our love for you may grow. Lord, may we draw near to you this morning. Lord, help me to articulate the truths that you are speaking to your church. Lord, shepherd your church this morning through the preaching of your word. In Christ's name. Amen. Vijay Singh, a professional golfer known for his remarkable commitment to practice, on the average would hit anywhere between 500 to 1,000 golf balls a day to build a repeating swing. He was unrelenting in his commitment to 
produce a golf swing that would repeat again and again and again. John is very similar in his commitment to preach the same truths again and again in order to produce the results he desires to see in the Ephesian church. No doubt the Ephesian congregation grew tired of hearing this old guy repeating himself. Love God. Love one another. Obey his commandments. Believe in Christ. Love God. Love one another. Obey his commands and believe in Christ. Again and again. And we have read that in every chapter of this letter. And as we come to the end of this first letter, like members of John's church, we are to be reminded of the same things. Love God, love one another, obey his commands, and believe in Christ. John is speaking for God here. Because he speaks for God, we must listen to what God is repeatedly saying to us as a church. Love him, love others, obey his commands, and believe in his son, Jesus Christ. And these overarching themes bleed through every chapter in John's letter. And in the first four chapters, John has focused primarily on love and obedience. And now in this passage, he connects them all to belief in Christ, to our faith. This church has been assaulted. This church has been assaulted by false teachers, teachers that came from within and left the church, false teachers that are denying the deity of Christ, denying the incarnation. And you deny the incarnation and you gut Christianity. And that's what these false teachers are doing. And it's affecting the church. It's affecting what these men and women in the church believe. It's affecting their assurance in Christ. It's affecting their approach to to living in a world that is hostile to God. It is affecting their lives. And John, as a pastor, as a wise and old and caring pastor, reminds them again and again of the foundational truths that their lives are to be anchored to. Love God. Love one another. Obey His commands. And in particular, in this passage this morning, believe in Christ. There's a, there's a very good reason John is relentless in his repetitiveness, in his themes again and again. He desires to give assurance to these believers because they are living in a hostile world. And the repetition of truth is a safeguard against the attacks and the temptations of a hostile world. It's a safeguard to protect them to protect them from the onslaught that comes their way. So my proposition this morning is genuine believers prove their faith by overcoming the world through their love for God, their love for others, and their obedience to Christ's commands. I'll say that again. Genuine believers prove their faith by overcoming the world through their love for God their love for others, and their obedience to Christ's commands. And that is what John is addressing here. He says in verse 4 of our passage, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. That's the the word overcome and victory are, are the same Greek word. It's the word Nike. 
It's the word where we see on the shoes and the t-shirts and the sweatshirts and, and we hear just do it. It is it's the word Nike. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Genuine believers prove their faith by overcoming the world through their love for God, their love for others, and their obedience to Christ's command. Faith is what marks those who are genuinely born of God. But what defines biblical Christian faith, true Christian faith? What what defines that? There are a number of definitions of faith that we can find that are simply unbiblical. One stream of Christianity is simply called the faith movement. I'm sure you've heard of it. And they believe your faith determines your health. Your faith determines your financial status, your ability to perform miracles. Your faith grows like a plant. It gets bigger and bigger until you can determine whatever it is you want, you can get. Now, if this were true faith, that's what faith really is. I might be out buying a billion-dollar lotto ticket today. Sadly, many Christians in the world see faith from this point of view, from a human point of view, rather than from a biblical point of view. But thankfully, John, in his wisdom, gives us a biblical view of faith anchored in Christ and his gospel. So he provides three essential elements to faith. And the main points, the three main points are the object of our faith, the author of our faith, and the effect of our faith. And that's what John is I think teaching us in this passage the object of our faith, the author of our faith, and the effect of our faith. Let's look at the object of our faith. Now, this is an open book test, so open your Bibles or open your phones, whichever you've got. See, now, if, if, you, have a, if you have a real Bible, just so you're aware, when things like that happen and, and the electronics don't work, you still can read the Word of God. So this is one old man's, buy a Bible. <laughs> That's another old man telling me what I should be doing. Okay, who is the object of our faith? Exactly, Christ. Verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Verse 6, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is truth. Jesus, the Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Christian Faith believes that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the Christ. Christian faith believes that that Jesus is the divine Son of God who came in human flesh. He came to live among us to, to rescue us from our sin, to suffer on our behalf, to rescue us from the judgment and wrath of God, to die on a cross for us. If we are born of God, we believe that testimony. We believe what the Holy Spirit testifies to. 
And that is the work of the Holy Spirit we read in John's Gospel. The work of the Holy Spirit is to testify to who Jesus is and to glorify Him. That is the primary work of the Holy Spirit. And if we are born of God, we believe this testimony about Jesus coming in the flesh, teaching divine truth, performing miracles, rising from the dead, appearing to His disciples after the resurrection, ascending to heaven, giving the Holy Spirit, and promising to return for us. We believe that testimony. We believe we have eternal life and a new heaven and a new earth. That is the testimony of the Holy Spirit about Jesus Christ. And Christian faith believes in the Jesus of 1 John. That is the object of our faith. John has told us who this Christ is throughout his letter. In chapter 1, verse 3, he is the one whom believers enjoy fellowship with. In chapter 2, verse 1, he is the righteous one who makes intercession for us with the Father. In chapter 2, verse 22, he is the one whom the Antichrist, the world, opposes and denies. In chapter 3, 23, he is the one whose name people are commanded to trust in. And in chapter 4, verse 2, he is the one who comes from God in the flesh. That's the testimony. That is the object of our faith. John personally attests to Jesus' humanity in, through his teachings, through his sufferings, through his death and resurrection. He remembers well. As an old man, John remembers spending time with Jesus. Do you remember in chapter 1, verse 1, this is what John says about Jesus. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. John reminds his readers that the object of their faith is Jesus Christ. That it is who they believe in. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And then he goes on to say in verse 6, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. And most commentators would, would this is a, this is, well, most commentators say this is the most challenging verse in all of 1 John. It's why Devin wanted me to preach this passage and not him. But most commentators would say that the water is Jesus' baptism. When the Lord anointed him and set him apart. And that the blood is his sacrificial death on the cross. It is a testimony of who Christ is. It is a testimony of who we believe in. It's a testimony that we believe this, this is what our life stands on. This is why we sit here Sunday after Sunday. Because the object of our faith is Jesus Christ. The one who came in the flesh. The one whom we believe in. The one whom we've put hope in for the promises that we have the guarantee of his spirit. That he dwells in us and he will come back for us. And that there is a new heaven and a new earth. And there is a new heaven and a new earth where the weather is perfect. <laughs> Remove that man from my midst. <laughs> 
John reminds his readers of Jesus' baptism and death and that the work of the Holy Spirit is to testify to this man, Jesus Christ, to glorify him. This is the object of our faith, Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, and he's our friend, and he's our shepherd, and he's our intercessor, and he's our redeemer, and he's our brother, and he's our God. This is the object of our faith. And authentic Christian faith has only one focus. The Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the only way we overcome the world is if Jesus is the object of our faith. We don't overcome the world by pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. We don't overcome the world by our human, oh, let's, let's be strong. We don't overcome the world in any human form whatsoever, we overcome the world because Jesus is the object of our faith. He is the one because we cannot overcome anything. Jesus has overcome death and the devil and the debt of sin by taking our sin upon himself. He has overcome everything that has defeated us because he is the victor who has overcome the world. That is who the object of our faith is, Jesus Christ. And who is the author? Second, the author of our faith. What is the source of our faith? John is clear in our message. The author of our faith is not us, but God. What he wants to stress to us, his, his readers in this passage, is that God has acted upon us in a supernatural and incredibly powerful way. God has acted upon us. Look at verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. We have been born again. We did not birth ourselves. We were birthed by God. And we believe because God has given us the gift of faith. We believe because we have been born again First, the author of our faith is God himself. Before faith even exists, we must first be born of God. Again, in 5.4, John repeats this reality. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. What precedes our faith is the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit making us alive in Christ. You, you remember this passage well, Ephesians 2. But God, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Who is the author of our faith? It's God. He's the object of our faith, and he is the author of our faith. The testimony of God is that Jesus 
came as an atoning sacrifice. He was anointed by God to be the sacrificial lamb to atone for our sins. And by this death, he declared us reconciled and righteous because we have been now regenerated by the work of the Spirit. And that Spirit has been given to us as a guarantee that the work of God has taken place in our lives because God, as the author of our faith, has made us alive in Christ. How do we overcome the world? How do we overcome the hostile opposition to the God that we worship, not just on Sundays, but day in and day out? How do we overcome the hostility when we stand for the truth of God's word? How do we overcome the the fallenness of this broken and sin-scarred world that we live in day in and day out? How do we overcome? Well, we overcome because we look to Christ who is the object of our faith. And we overcome because we've been born again. We've been born by God who is the author of our faith. So the recreative work of God, the Spirit, is to author our faith and give us new life. And that faith is a gift from God that we might live for God. And so we are clear in John's passage. He is that Jesus the object of our faith. Jesus is the author of our faith. And then Jesus in his kindness has many effects of our faith. The effect of our faith. The third point. The effect of our faith. Verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. (laughs) It confirms our salvation. Confessing faith in Christ shows that we have been visited by God. That he has met with us. That he has done a work in us. It confirms our salvation. But he goes on to say, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And here's the effect of faith. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. We love God. The effect of faith, the effect that Jesus is the object of our faith and he's the author of our faith. And now we believe in him. We've been born of God. The effect of that is we love him. And not only do we love him, but he goes on to say we love his children. We love one another. That's what... Those two things. Remember when one of the Pharisees came to Jesus talking to him about what is the greatest commandment? He said, listen, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We love the Father. John has said this to us in his letter time and time again. We can be assured we are born of God if we love him. And we can be assured we are born of God if we love one another. There is much that we see in the world where people have compassion and mercy and they do good things. They do it from their own human efforts. 
the church stands alone because it is a group of people who have Christ dwelling in them and whose love is born of God. That's what makes us different. That's what makes us different. That's the testimony we have. That's what overcomes the world. Our love for God and our love for one another. We can be assured we are born of God if we love God and we love one another. And it goes on to say the effect of our faith is we prove our love for God by obeying His commands. We, we are different. Look at verse 2. By this we know, a phrase that John has used, this is the fifth time John has used that phrase in his letter, by this we know. So you want to know, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. We can be assured we are born of God if we do not find his commandments burdensome. Listen, the world around us, ask anybody about the Bible and Christi- Christian faith. The world sees God's commands as burdensome. It's why they oppose them. It's why they rail against them so vehemently. Because we believe, we have faith in Jesus that we are no longer of the world. The reason why God's commands are not a bitter burden to us is because we have been born of God. But to the world who does not know God, these commands are a bitter burden. Our faith enables us to break free from the pull of the world's downward commitment to see us like them. Instead, we find that the more we obey his commandments, rather than being burdensome, they become delightful. Another effect is that we can be confident that we overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We can be assured that we are born of God because we are overcoming the world. And then in verse 11, and this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life, and this life is in his son. The effect of faith is we can be confident we have eternal life. Now what does all this mean to us? The object of our faith, Christ, the, the, the author of our faith and the effect of our faith. What does it mean to us? It means we have a great salvation in Christ. It means that we belong to God and not to this world because we've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light. And not only are we transferred, but we are transformed. We're different. We're different now. Our lives are not the same. New Year's has just come and people make all these New Year's resolutions. They look back on the year. They recount the year, which is what Marilyn and I do every year. We we go through and we we talk about what what has happened in 2017 and and we we look to to 2018. And people, lots of people make resolutions. 
Chance, I'm going to be different this year. The most profitable time of the year for health clubs is right after January 1st. (laughs) I'm going to be different this year. I'm going to change my eating habits until the Super Bowl. I'm going to change... I'm going to change everything. Listen, we are different. Not because we have determined we're going to be different, but because the Holy Spirit has done a regenerating work in our hearts. And he is continuing to work in our hearts. We can live assured, not just for our future eternal life, but for our life in Christ Now, today, we can overcome the world because the world, the flesh, and the devil have been overcome by Christ, the object and author of our faith. This is the good news of the gospel. The the truths revealed in John's letters are to keep us anchored to Christ. Verse 12, whoever has the Son has life. If you do not have the Son, you do not have life. If you are sitting here today wondering if you have life, wondering about this faith, let me appeal to you to trust in Christ, to look to Christ for your salvation, to to put your faith in Christ. If we have the Son, we have life. Now, what what application can we bring to this? What is John asking of us here in this passage? How do these truths become applicable to our lives? He's asking us simply to trust his testimony, trust his word, and believe that his promises are true. He wants us to apply and put our faith in the character and person of Jesus Christ. What Jesus promises, brothers and sisters, he fulfills. He has given us his spirit as a guarantee that his word is true, that his promises are true. The Holy Spirit now dwells in us and testifies to the truth of all that God has done in us and will testify through us to a dying world. God's word tells us we can overcome the world, the hostile world that opposes God himself. He promises promises us eternal life in Christ, and eternal life we have. We are assured of that. He gives us commandments that will ease the burden of our lives if we obey them. They will ease the burden of your life if you obey them. Rather than being burdensome, they will ease the burden. Over this next year, rather than having this grand New Year's resolution, just look to say, Lord, where's just one small, simple way I can draw near to you? I can grow more Christ-like. Where can I change by the work 
by transformative work of your Holy Spirit as I look to you, the object and author of my faith. What's just one area? Don't have a grand plan. Just one area. He gives us these commandments to ease the burden of our lives. The love we have for one another, that proves we love God and assures us that we belong to Him. Apply your faith to Christ, the object and author of our faith. Listen, trust, trust His Word, know His Word, and your life will be transformed. There's no other, there's no grand, complicated truth. It is the simplicity of loving and knowing God through his word. That's what what keeps us here, showing up Sunday after Sunday. Because God speaks to us through his word. God speaks to us and encourages us through his people. God expresses his love to us through his word and his people. And day by day, we are changed and transformed. And one day, every man and woman here who's put their faith in Christ will stand before God and hear, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. May that be the testimony of everyone here for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are you are the one that we look to. You are the object and the author of our faith. Lord, we have no other hope but to hope in you and your son. And Lord, we do that this morning. We look to you. We trust in you that our lives may glorify you. In Christ's name, amen.